This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. If I were to say, this is the day that the Lord has made, what would you say? Okay, let's try that. This is the day the Lord has made. Uh, Those of you who like to watch football on TV have probably watched football when somebody had scored a touchdown and they're getting ready to, to kick the extra point or somebody is getting ready to kick a field goal, and when the TV camera is looking at the goalposts, somebody in the stands behind the goalpost is holding up a sign that says John 3, 16. And if they're not holding up John 3, 16, there might be somebody holding up John 14, 6, which is what we just heard, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure that whoever holds that sign up is is very sincere and means well, but somehow that comes across to me as a little bit of a threat, as, as, as as a confrontation. Followers of Jesus may not see it that way, but let somebody who's had some experience with overly zealous Christians 
and the point is clearly made. You want to be saved, don't you? You don't want to go to hell, do you? You don't want to be one of these poor lost souls, do you? This is the only way. This is the only way. And to those who may be a part of another faith tradition, that can come across as violence. When our son was in graduate school, he fell in love with this absolutely gorgeous young lady who was from, had Indian heritage. Uh, She and her sister were born in Canada right after uh, uh, their mother and their father had immigrated from India to Canada for the dad to be a professor at the university. So after the two girls were born, when they were infants, all four of them were involved in a horrible automobile accident. And all four of them were in intensive care for days. And the dead did not make it. Now, India sometimes can be very hard on widows. And so Veena, the girl's mother, uh, all of them were Hindu, chose not to go back to India and to stay in Canada and to try to raise the two girls herself as a single parent. Well, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And as they were struggling, there was this Christian community, a Pentecostal one, as a matter of fact, that came up alongside them and got them on their feet, showered compassion on them. And Vina, the girl's mother, uh, began to wonder, what kind of people are this? Uh, What kind of God do they worship where they would be filled with so much love and compassion? And so she eventually uh, converted to Christianity, got baptized, and the two girls were baptized, and they were raised in the church. So when our son Robert and Suleika wanted to be married, uh, they wanted the wedding held at Abiding Hope Lutheran Church in Littleton, Colorado, where I was the lead pastor. And the reason they wanted the wedding there is that the friends and family who would come, these are really, truly global people. Our son and our daughter-in-law have lived in various parts of the world, and they wanted their, the family and friends who were to come to experience the theology of abiding hope, which is very much like this congregation, in that on the altar is Isaiah 25, 6. Uh, where the prophet says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make a feast for all people. Thank you, Tucker. Good seminary student. All people. And this is what they wanted uh, them to experience. They wanted them to experience this very, very, very open communion. Where every Sunday, uh, every Saturday night when we gathered for worship, the invitation to come was to all people. Doesn't matter how you are, what you are, we invite you to the table, just like here at Lord of Life. The invitation was a little bit different. You know, if I was the presiding of the table, I would say the only requirement that you have to come is that you have a pulse. That's it. So it's not about how good you are, it's about how great God is. Please come to the table because the gifts of God are in the congregation which out free. And of course, all of these interns that that we had at Abiding Hope and they're out serving congregations, they're doing that in their same place. So it was very important to Robert and Sue that family experience that. Because in India, 
and India. Hindus have not had a very good relationship with Christian missionaries. That over the years, Christian missionaries have come into India and beaten the Hindus over the head with John 14, 6. They've said to them that you are an abomination. Renounce your heritage. Give up on your Hindu culture. Give it all up. You are evil. This is the only way. And they've experienced violence in that. And in turn, over the last couple of centuries, we have seen that there's been violence against Christians because of of in, 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 uh, from Hindus in backlash to this. And so it was very important that they have this wedding and that this be the focus. So when they came into the rehearsal the night before, I told them, in the morning at the wedding, you're all going to be invited to commune, all of you. And I'm not asking you to convert to Christianity. I'm not asking you to believe in the creeds of the church. I'm not asking you to do any of that. What I'm asking you to do, though, is to believe and to, and to be in solidarity with the vision. That if you really believe that what this table represents as a foretaste of what God promises, if you really believe that one day God will tear down everything that divides us, nationalism, religions, sexes, gender, all of these things, socioeconomic differences, all of these things that God will one day, you know, take down the, the, the differences between the poor and the rich, that God will swallow up everything that would cause us to suffer, and that God will one day wipe away every tear from every eye, and every human being will live in a global community of life and love and joy forever. If you really believe and want to be in solidarity with that vision, come to the table. So that was my invitation. I thought it was pretty good. So, uh, so when, I, when I did that, and I wanted to please come to the table. The Hindus, you know, hadn't bought it yet. So uh, they, 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 they caucused together, and they appointed an uncle to talk with me. And so after it, I began to bring even better stuff to try to convince. And uh, I got about two sentences into my argument, and the, and the uncle said, bowed at me and said, it will be our pleasure. I said, okay. So the next day when the wedding happened, and it was a small wedding, about 50 people. We had a, a huge chancel area with communion rail. Everybody could come. All the Hindus came. Women dressed in their saris, they came. The Buddhists, they came. The Muslims, they came. The people from Haiti, the, vo the voodoo, they all came. Different tribes of Christianity, they, they all came. And they gathered around this table with this vision. In my father's house, there are plenty of places. You know, if you look at what the New Testament and telling us about Jesus it's real clear that Jesus is not really into condemnation. That's just not his thing. Um, doesn't do it. Uh, John 8, there, you know, they, they catch this woman caught in adultery and all the religious people want to stone her like they stoned Stephen in, in, in the gospel lesson, I mean in the Acts lesson today. 
And Jesus stops him and he looks at the lady and says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. In John 4, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well in this little town called Sychar. And she is very wary. She knows that Jews don't have relationships with Samaritans and that Jews and Samaritans have great animosity. They look very down on each other. And she would know that this Jew would think of her as being less than human, would find her to be disgusting and that they wouldn't even talk to each other. And yet Jesus opens up a conversation with her and then offers her living water. She runs from that encounter and goes to her village and says, I have met somebody who has to be the Messiah. Here's somebody I met that knew everything about me. He even knew that I had been married five times. I had five husbands. God bless her. I had five husbands. And then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with a six one still guy that I'm living with. And he didn't condemn me. He loves me and he offered me living water. Only somebody who doesn't blink at your past, wince at the warts that you have, doesn't let that get in the way. That is true love. That is the love of God that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't condemn anybody, even those who were nailing his hands and feet to the cross. He didn't say, all right, I'm going to get even. Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. So when people hold up John 3, 16 or John 14, 6, I vote that they also hold up John 3, 17, where it says, for God indeed did not send the son into the world to condemn the world is what it says. Jesus just isn't into condemning people. I mean, why should he? He's got us to do that. We're the ones that point fingers at each other and blame people and tear down each other and, 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 and talk about each other behind people's backs. We go on social media, trash talking, ruining character assassinations, ruining reputations. We're the ones with, filled with forces of bitterness and entitlement. Have you ever lived in a time where you thought the world was more contentious and more divisive right now, and yet economically it seems, why are people so upset? Well, I'm not going to go there. Um, (laughs) There are some good reasons why some people are upset. Uh, Blue states, red states, divided. So on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, from which John 14 comes and 13 before that and 15 after that, Things are not good in Jerusalem. It's divided. The disciples know that. There's a plot to kill Jesus, to find him, arrest him, destroy him. Already, uh, before these words that we heard today, uh, uh, Judas has already been called out. Said, Judas, go ahead and do what you got to do. And so he goes out and sells Jesus over, betrays him for 80 pieces of silver. And then when Jesus is talking about how they're all going to run away, Peter stands up and says, not me. And Jesus says to Peter, shut up. Don't, Peter, don't make a promise you can't keep. Come on, man. I know what you're going to run. You're going to deny. I know, I know, I know. And so with all this contention and this trouble, Jesus gets them together and says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I got this, guys. You may think this is all the end 
of everything. I got, I got it. I got this. I got you. I got you. Yep, they're going to hammer me. What you're going to see is absolutely going to nauseate you. It will be brutal. So dehumanizing. They'll do everything they can to send a message to you about what they will do to me. But I'll be back. They'll throw me in a tomb, roll the stone against it, but I'll, I'll be back. Because wherever I am, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do what I got to do to show you how much God loves you. And that there's no place that you might go that I won't already go with you. That I won't even prepare it already for you. You troubled and confused? He goes on to say, because I will live, you're going to live also. He says to them who were scared to death, I'll never leave you orphaned. I'll, I'll never do that. Those of you who are sitting here who may be troubled about what's going on in your life, that right now you're called to walk a path that you didn't sign up for. Maybe something's going on in the office. Maybe some doctors told you something that you didn't want to hear. What Jesus is saying to you, I got it. I got it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus came. What we see on this night is for Jesus revealing, if you look at me, you see God. And then I'm calling you to be like me. Jesus' most ardent desire is that we live life to its fullest potential. Is that in the aftermath of the empty tomb, where God has already defeated everything that would crush us, demean us, fragment us, that we would truly live as God intended us to live. The Indian Christians may have gotten John 14, 6 right. At the um, Theological University in Bangalore, India, the biblical scholars there translate John 14, 6 from the Greek, which is a completely valid way of translation. Not that I am the way, the truth, and the life, but I am the true way of life. I am the true way of life. In other words, using the language of Richard Rohr, I'm the blueprint. I am what it is that God has intended from the very beginning. And we should have known that that was coming because the Gospel of John begins with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word was in the beginning with God and through this word, all things came into being. And apart from this word, not one thing came into being. And what has come into being through this word is life. And the life is the light of all people. And this light shines in the darkness and no darkness can ever put it out. In other words, in the beginning was the blueprint in the beginning was God's blueprint. And the blueprint became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen 
the blueprint. We've seen how he loves, how he lives, how he acts. We've seen his courage for the sake of the world. We see his never, ever, ever giving up on you. And he says to us, greater things you're going to do than what I've done. And a lot of people was that's absurd. We're going, to do, we're going to do greater things than Jesus? Are you kidding me? What's he talking about? Well, of course we are, and we have. Jesus healed some people. We got the Mayo Clinic. Tens of thousands of hospitals all around the world open, funded by Christians who have eradicated all kinds of dreadful diseases and done all kinds of healing. Really. Jesus fed the multitude. Lutheran World Relief feeds millions of people every year. Greater things you will do. And then this congregation called Lord of Life. Lord of Life. You're celebrating, you've been in existence 50 years now. 50 years of doing greater things. Buddy bags for hungry children. Backpacks for underprivileged school children. Uh, feeding the, the poor and the marginalized at First English Lutheran Church. Uh, supporting the homeless down at Faith Mission. Uh, building, building for Habitat for Humanity because everybody deserves a dwelling place. That's a human right. Sending people on mission trips to Jamaica and to El Salvador and supporting and funding an initiative in Haiti that's to bring hope and sustainability with dignity to the poorest people, the people who got their backs against the wall like you have never seen. Greater things than these you will do, Jesus says. Lord of life, church. So keep doing these great things. Greater and greater and greater so that all might thrive and serve in the light of the empty tomb. Amen.